Gail, I'm glad you're here today. It's, um, it's obviously a hole here today. And um, I, think, I think that they stated it well, just uh, the representation of the whole Getchell family that's here. Uh, that you and your husband, John, have done a, a mighty fine job teaching them about Jesus and modeling that life for them. And uh, everybody's asking, how's Gail doing? How's Gail doing? Let me tell you, uh, yesterday morning when I got there, uh, yeah, there was a hugging and everything else, but she knew without a doubt where her husband was that he is with Jesus. And because of that knowledge and that understanding, there is absolute peace. Absolute peace in the midst of uh, sorrow and grief. And we all grieve with you. But at the same time, we rest in the joy that Christ has brought, knowing that uh, our brother John is home, finally home. So uh, thank you for being here today. Thank you for encouraging us as a body of believers, knowing that this is a big deal. So uh, I'm going to miss, miss John for sure. Um, I think that it, it's, it's kind of appropriate where we are today because John and Gail and I would have these discussions about uh, what we're talking about today in this Galatians chapter 2 is is uh meg's here too and she's okay right meg uh thank you gosh i everybody was like that was kind of wild day but I, i'm kind of thankful for it all one that you were here and that you it happened in the midst of uh people that were going to take care of you and they took care of her it, that was pretty impressive uh I, I don't think, Meg, sorry, but I didn't get off the stool one time. I just sat there. And we prayed for you and uh, everything else. But in the midst of that, we were, we were getting to a point, and we just stopped uh, because it was appropriate. But let, let me back up to where we were in Galatians chapter 2. I want to start with verse 11. And just let me read that to you real quick. And I think we cut off at verse 14, but let's get a running start here. Is But when Cephas, and that's Peter, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. At this point, I think I was trying to say to you, I need you to rethink how you've always read this confrontation between Paul and Peter. Because we've always seen it as Paul got up there and just lambasted Peter and it was a it was a bad deal because of what Peter was doing. But uh verse 12 it says <clears throat> for he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. What had happened was 
Peter had gone to Antioch. He's hanging out with the Gentiles. They hear about it in Jerusalem. James sends a, a group of his buddies up there and says, hey, Peter, what are you doing hanging out with the Gentiles? They're still trying to keep those, those food laws and all the rituals and the circumcision and everything intact because of their Jewish beliefs. But Peter's getting a little too friendly with the Gentiles who don't live like that. So they came up there, the Judaizers did, confronted Peter, and so much that he like quit hanging out with the Gentiles. He just hung out at the Jews' house. And Paul heard about this, and he comes to town and says, Peter, we got to this point last week, he got to this point, he's like, shame on you. Like this, this isn't, this isn't what we've, he didn't really say shame on you, but this isn't what we've been teaching. You've got the, it says in verse 11 that he met him face to face. I believe as I read it, that, that Paul went to Peter and had a sit down with him and basically said, Hey, everything that we've taught you know that Jesus presented this, said go to the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit's come. We've done that with Cornelius and everybody else. The Gentiles are hearing this message. They're becoming believers and everything else. And now you're really confusing the whole public because you once hung out with the Gentiles and now you're only hanging out with the Jews and you're kind of putting the Gentiles to the side. You've really caused some commotion here. And then we get to verse 14. It says this, but when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, re- remember what we're reading here. This is, Paul has written a letter to the churches at Galatia explaining what happened actually in the book of Acts. This is, this is what happened. He's explaining it. He says, but when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas, Peter, in front of everyone, If you, who are a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? In other words, Paul confronted Peter publicly. Hmm. It says, I went to him face to face. And then it says, I went to him and publicly explained. I'll say this. As much as you've read this, could this conversation between Paul and Peter happen without emotion? I know that Paul was very passionate about the gospel. He's very passionate about getting his point across Man, Peter, you've really messed this thing up because now people are really confused. But could Paul have done that without emotion, right? Face to face, Peter, I'm going to set you straight right here. But because of the confusion that you've caused, we got to go to the public and clear this thing up. And so literally... That rebuking, you, you hear the word rebuke and you think, oh wow, that, that's, that's charged. 
No, a rebuking doesn't have to be charged. A rebuking is just a correction of something. That you can literally correct without emotion. Never says Paul was angry with Peter. Never says that Paul yelled at Peter or fussed at Peter. It just says he had a face-to-face and then they went public. So, my question to you is this, is think about it. If this wouldn't have happened, if this, if Paul would not have gone to Peter, what would the book of Acts look like? There, there would have been division amongst the Gentiles and the Jews and we would have had another denominational split which still happens today over the Word of God. Denominational splits. Denominations. Just just think about it. If Peter wouldn't have said, Paul wouldn't have said to Peter, hey man, we got to get together on this and make it right. It allowed for Paul's second missionary journey. It allowed for Paul's third missionary journey. It allowed for the church to grow Otherwise, there would have been conflict and guess who would have got a foot in the door? The evil one. There's no question about it. Paul was prepared for the fight, but I think that he did it without emotion. And so then I ask the question to you this is, what's the difference between communicating with anger and emotion and emotionless? Just saying what it is. Can you communicate the same truth without emotion that you can with anger? Does it get communicated? You, you realize, uh, my family and I have had, been having this discussion for the last couple of weeks, you realize that your reaction to news or information or even a a correction, some kind of critique or anything like that, will impact future exchanges. Did you hear this? The emotion that you unpack in the midst of an exchange of a critique or instructions or anything like that will impact the way information is received in the future it may even cause the person to shut down. You need to hear that. I believe that Paul and Peter had a logical, sensitive, unheated conversation because I sit here and read the Scripture. I read First and Second Peter and I read all these other things and their relationship was good after this. If it became heated, they probably wouldn't have seen eye to eye. Paul could have easily embarrassed Peter in public, but I don't think he did. I think he probably said, hey, Peter and I have had a discussion and here's what's happened. One, he was wrong. Let me just clearly say this. He was wrong. We've talked about it. We've cleared the air. The Gentiles and the Jews have the same ability to receive faith. 
if you can take that piece of information right there, that you can have conversation, that you can have, you can exchange information, you can change, exchange critique, conflict, without emotion, how does that change your relationship with your spouse? Can you say the same thing without being emotionally charged? What does that look like between a parent and a child? What does that look like between a boss and an employer? Can you say the same information? Even between friends or siblings, what does that look like? Just something to think about. Verse 15, it says, We're Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. They were Gentile sinners from birth because they weren't given the law like the Jews. So therefore, they were automatically classified as sinners because the Jews had the ability to have the law and obey the law. Verse 16, it says, And yet because we know that a person is not justified by works. Hello? <laughs> Let me read that again. And yet because we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. In the book of Job, the question was asked, how should a man be just with God? This was a question that was asked throughout the whole Old Testament. And in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4, it says, The just shall live by his faith. Verse chapter 4 of Hebrews 2 answered the question that was continually asked in the Old Testament. That was God's answer. The just shall live by his faith. Now, the whole term that Paul is using there is justification. Justification is not simply forgiveness because uh, a person can be forgiven and then they can go out and sin again and be guilty. Forgiveness can be a continual thing. But once you've been justified by faith, you can never, listen to this, you can never be held guilty by God. No amens. <laughs> Once you have been justified by faith, God will never ever hold you guilty again. Amen. There you go. That, that's amazing. And justification is also different than a pardoning because if someone is pardoned, that account, that sin still remains on record. The beautiful thing about justification is that it has been totally wiped out. When a sinner is justified by faith, his past sins are remembered no more against him. 
Like everything you've done, everything you're doing, and everything that you're going to do will never, ever be remembered or brought up again. Everything that you're going to do will never, ever be remembered or brought up again because you've been justified by your faith in God. Not by your works, not by being doing things. Thank you. Paul's literally trying... He's taking this opportunity, this, this teaching moment with Peter and saying, look, you've got to get this right. The Gentiles, the Jews, we're all in the same boat here. We've all been justified by faith and not by works. The Jews believed that it was by works we were given the law. Everything else, if we live by the law, then well, we saw how that worked. It didn't work. This concept that, that Paul's trying to express right here was really written in three different books. If you, if you look at the book of Romans, it's talking about it's written for the just. You are the just. If you look at Galatians that we're going through, he's telling you this is how you shall live. And then if you look at Hebrews, one of the other ones, it says you shall live by faith. You've got Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews that just take this point and say, this is the way life is supposed to be after the cross. Figure this thing out. It's not by works. It's by faith alone. Christ died one time. One time, and His one time justified all of our sins. You are proven not guilty. I believe my friend Charlie could say that double jeopardy would be in effect if we had to like convict Christ a second time. It's not going to happen. Verse 17, it says, But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? If this, is, if this is the case, if Christ died for our past, present, and future, can we just go out and sin all we want? Is that what you're saying? Can you just do it? Yeah, yeah, you can. I, I don't think that'll happen. Well, I mean, it'll happen, but I don't think you'll enjoy it. I really don't think you'll enjoy it because You've been made a new creation. The moment that you believed, he took your old heart out and he put a new heart in and he made you a new person. So you, automa- you, you now have the mind of Christ and you think different. You live your life different. And so if you go back to the old ways, the old sinful ways, you can do that, but it ain't going to feel good. And it's probably not going to work out real well for you. Yes, you're free in Christ. You're free in Christ. Your freedom is to walk and to live by the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. That's the good news. He says, verse 18, if I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For though the law, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Here is Paul, the Pharisee, the Jew, the 
guy that has the law memorized, that lived by the law and studied under Gamaliel, and he knew it better than anybody, and he's like, why in the world would I go back to that? It did not work. If a man is justified by the works of the law, then why in the world did Jesus Christ die on the cross? You ask the question, well, what died? What died? That written law. It died. A new covenant came along. A Holy Spirit came along to reside inside of the believer. A Holy Spirit that tells you how to live your life. And not only does he tell you how to live your life, but he says, I'll do it for you. Yell, the Holy Spirit says, I'll get you through this week. Just let me do it. Just trust me. I'll get you through this week. I'll get you through this journey. Just trust me. (laughs) You see, the law really demanded death for those who broke it. But I totally believe that Christ paid the death penalty for all sinners. It's like... (laughs) It's like to go back to Moses is to return to the graveyard. That's really what Paul's saying right here. We do that baptism, you're buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. Verse 20, it says, here we go, we get it. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. He's not referring to a physical death right here. I can sit here and claim that verse, and I'm still standing here alive to you today. I'm not talking about a physical death, but a death to the former self of my life. When I was eight years old, I believed in Jesus Christ. My former life at that point died. I I didn't know that. (laughs) I just know I believed in Jesus. I didn't figure this whole thing out till years later. It took me a long I'm still figuring it out. But my former life, my I'm gonna say this, my sinful nature died. I don't have a sinful nature. There's no war going on in this body right here. There's a battle going on up here right now. But there's no war going I I'm a new creation. I don't have a sinful nature. It's it's not in my nature to sin anymore. I still do. I still make bad choices. I still follow my flesh sometimes. I still stumble. But there's no nature in me saying Oh, you're an evil person. There's an evil one that that Ryan was talking about that's sending me thoughts up here, and I deal with it in my mind of Christ, and that's where the battle really happens. But look, if you believe that there's a sinful nature and a new creation that's going on right in here, 
you never win that battle. It's law versus grace. You, you never walk around victorious. But if you know that's already defeated, the simple nature has already been defeated, and that you are a complete new cre- creation, man, you walk around here with your head a little high, not boastful about yourself, but boastful about what Jesus Christ has done in you and through you. Christ lives in me. (laughs) Christ lives in me. When I walk around this city, Christ lives in me. Do they see it? (laughs) I'm not concerned about making them see it. I'm more concerned about just being obedient to the Spirit inside of me. If they see it, that's the Lord's deal. In other words, I don't have to put on a show. I don't have to perform for you up here on stage. I don't have, if I just let Christ live in me, that's good enough for me. That's good enough. The presence of the Spirit of God inside of me and you sitting next to each other, says, I live by faith in the Son of God. Faith in the Son of God, I believe, absolutely transforms a person from a slave to a child of God. You once were a slave to sin, now you're a child of God, and He wants to hold you. He wants to teach you. He wants to live your life for you. It says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul literally is describing the sacrificial love of Christ in very personal terms. Christ's willingness to die on the behalf of sinners brings deliverance for that power of sin for those who believe in him. Like, Rusty, how do you deal with those thoughts up here? If there's a battle going up here, how do you deal with it? (laughs) I don't. Because I've learned I can't. But I trust the Spirit in me to do that. How, How do I get rid of those thoughts? Try, try getting rid of those thoughts. They just keep coming. Lord, I need you to uh, deliver me from the power of sin. Those thoughts. I'm going to trust you to do that. Huh. Peter's, Peter's whole actions right here said... Uh, there's a difference. The grace of God is not sufficient. We also need the law. Is basically what Peter was saying when he just hung out with the Jews and not the Gentiles. And really, Peter returning to the law nullified everything that Jesus did on the cross. If righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Galatians 2.21 In other words, the law says do 
And grace says, it's done. It's finished. I did it for you. In essence, Paul's affirming right here, if he loved me enough to give himself for me, then he loves me enough to live out his life in me. And verse 21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the faith, then Christ died for nothing. I believe faith in the Son of God literally transform a person. Transforms everything about you. Your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions. He does that. Huh. You know, I was saying earlier, what was the relationship between Paul and Peter at this point? We really have no record of Peter's reply to Paul. Never once does Peter bring this up. Obviously, Paul's brought it up in this letter. But Paul's rebuked Peter, and the Scripture indicates that he admitted to his sin, that he admitted that he was wrong. And definitely when you read 1 Peter and 2 Peter, there's no deviation of the gospel of grace. He talks about grace. In fact, the theme of 1 Peter is the true grace of God. Peter learned from this rebuking, from this teaching from Paul, and never went back to mixing law and grace. <laughs> Peter is careful to point out that he and Paul were in complete agreement lest anyone try to rob Peter to pay Paul. So, we'll wrap up today, but I, I sit there and I'll ask you these questions. In light of what we've just read, have I been saved by the grace of God? Have I been saved by the grace of God? Am I trying to mix law and grace? Man, that's one of the suitcases I took me years to unpack and I'm probably still unpacking it a little bit. I was taught law and grace. <laughs> and then I ask, Am I rejoicing in the fact that I have been justified by faith in Christ Jesus? Do we really get that whole thing? That we've been justified and everything that I've done, doing, and going to do has been dealt with and it's past. Am I truly walking in the freedom of grace? Am I walking by the Spirit? People ask me all the time, Rusty, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? What does that look like? It, one, it aligns with the truth of the Gospel. You go here and you figure this thing out, and it'll, it'll line up with that. But to answer that question, uh, I, I use this illustration all the time. How do you know it's a spirit, not the evil one? How do you know all that? 
if if Chloe was blindfolded this morning and everybody in this room started calling Chloe's name, whose voice do you think she's going to identify? Her daddy. How do you walk by the Spirit? You know Him so well. You know Him so well that it's easy to identify His voice in the midst of the chaos. How do you walk by the Spirit? (laughs) Know Jesus. Know Jesus. Am I willing to walk by the Spirit in the defense of the Gospel? Absolutely. Just like Paul. I will teach grace. I will teach grace. I will teach grace. I will get hammered for being the grace guy. You go to Rusty's church. You can do whatever you want up there. That's the the branding I get. I'm good with that. But I think that you clearly understand what I'm saying, that there's a Spirit of God that lives in you and will lead you and guide you, and I'm not worried about what you do. I'm more concerned about what you know. And sometimes it's easy to know, but it's hard to trust. Trust what you know. Trust what you know. Father, I, um, my heart still hurts this morning for uh, this body of believers because um, there's a good man that's gone home and he was a, a model for us all. But at the same time, we rejoice because uh, he loved you, loves you dearly. Present tense, loves you dearly. And for that, we give thanks. So I pray for comfort. I pray for peace for the Getchell family. I pray that they live in grace. I pray that they trust the spirit that resides in them this morning. May you live through them today. And I pray that really for this whole room. That we know you so well. That it's easy to identify. You are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that you have a calling on our lives. So Father, thank you for today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.